Reckoning, a good omens podfic, written by Mira Voros and read by Job. This is part three of the A More Perfect World series. Summary It's present day now, and Aziraphale is in Crowley's flat, with all of Crowley's souvenirs. What could go wrong? 2019, Mayfair that was that then. Armageddon sorted. Well, sort of. There was the whole bit about faces that Crowley couldn't pass. But not a bad outcome overall, given the epic cock-ups that had taken place. Yet, despite the coming retaliation from heaven and hell, Crowley was more concerned about what would happen now that Aziraphale had finally fucking finally decided to choose him over heaven. No more falsified reports. No more my side wouldn't like that. No more arrangement. But if there was no more arrangement, then what was there? A parting of ways? Friendship. His heart would whisper another possibility but he couldn't let himself indulge it, so he ignored it instead. He ignored it the entire bus ride back to Mayfair. He ignored it more pointedly as he led Aziraphale to the flat and let the angel loose to Rome. He especially ignored it when he headed for the kitchen to get them drinks, because even if it were a possibility, they still weren't fully safe from heaven and hell. And even if they were, Crowley had spent so long trying to prevent it that he may very well have prevented it permanently. The thing was, Aziraphale still thought of them as only friends. Best friends, maybe, but not more. He had no memory of their trysts. Crowley had seen to that. He'd even erased incriminating parts of relevant events leading up to them, and guilt gnawed at his gut with some regularity over it. It had been the right decision. He was confident of that, despite everything. If Aziraphale had let slip so much as a hint of what had happened between them, he could have been hurt cast out. Or worse, Crowley swallowed hard. He might have fallen. Crowley would risk a lot, but he wouldn't risk that. Ever. Angel, do you want the clan footage or the Chateau Lafitte? Not hearing an immediate response, he opted for both, pulling a corkscrew from a nearby drawer that he rarely used and opening the bottle without a miracle. Aziraphale wanted them to be cautious. Crowley almost laughed out loud at the thought. If only Aziraphale had extended some of that same caution to his libido. Crowley paused in the act of pouring a glass of Bordeaux, remembering the sherry served at the gentleman's club. Just the smell of it brought him back to that night in all its salvation and agony. 
Then his mind sailed immediately to the Bentley, fifty years later, where he truly fell in love. He had thought himself already there, but apparently the depths of his love for the angel were fathomless. It should have ended after that second stolen memory, but in truth it hadn't. After the assignation in the Bentley, Crowley had assumed that the long separations were the reason for the strength of Aziraphale's ardor. So Crowley had taken to popping by the bookshop daily, or at least every other day. He'd applauded himself on his cleverness in figuring out how to defuse Aziraphale's advances. It took less than a month for the angel to disabuse him of that notion. He'd cornered Crowley in the stacks in the middle of the damned day, when Crowley had brought him a sandwich from a nearby deli that the angel had taken a shine to. It was a sandwich! How was Crowley to know that something as innocuous as a turkey on rye would set the angel off? But it had. And three hours of incredible sex later, Crowley had miracled himself back to his flat and erased Aziraphale's memory once again. After that, Crowley took far more care to meet Aziraphale at the park or restaurant or some other public place to keep a respectable distance between them. He passed it off as fear that the head officers would discover their friendship were he to come by the bookshop too often, and Aziraphale seemed to accept this explanation without suspicion. Crowley had even figured out enough of Aziraphale's tales that he could scamper out of their evening nightcaps before Aziraphale's thoughts, or his own for that matter, took too decidedly a lascivious turn. These tactics seemed to suffice, at least for a while. Crowley had managed to avoid any sexual encounters with the angel, which was both fortunate and tragic, for a substantial amount of time. He'd considered the problem sorted and had relegated it to the back of his mind, for the most part, when they were working or scheming, or whatever you want to call it. Late at night, when Crowley was alone in his flat, was an entirely different story. But overall, his strategy had proven successful, and he won't wait to bring back the angel's memories, realigning their relationship when he'd figured out a way to get heaven and hell off their backs for good. But then, ten years after the sandwich affair, they'd gone together to the Covent Garden Orchestra's production of Orfeo at Eurydice. Crowley had excused himself to use the loo. Not that he needed to, really. He was just bored of the ridiculous singing and wanted an excuse to stretch his legs. Aziraphale had followed not five minutes later, and, well, needless to say, they'd missed the entirety of Act Three. Crowley had taken that memory also. It was nearly automatic at that point. And though he knew that continuing to steal the angel's memories was unsustainable, that it was a violation of trust, 
and that he'd suffer the consequences eventually, he also knew that were he to fail to while his way out of the situation, then he would not refuse a zero fare. Firstly, because he couldn't. He literally could not do it. He had tried. He had tried in the gentleman's club. He'd tried in the Bentley. But he wanted a Xerophil too much to lie convincingly that he didn't. And secondly, at the end of the day, a Xerophil had already suffered far too much rejection from those assholes in heaven, from the people who were supposed to love him for Crowley to add his own rejection, even a false one, to the pile. Just considering doing so had made Crowley physically ill. He'd drunk himself into a two-day stupor, trying to work up the nerve to reject a Xerophil, until he finally gave it up for impossible. It was a shitty situation, but it was what it was. So Crowley did what he could, short of abandoning the angel entirely, and had some marginal amount of success in his efforts at avoidance. But he had some severe misses as well over the years. There was the Hiroko Sushi restaurant opening. The Bentley, take two. The bakery they'd broken into at three in the morning, to satisfy a certain angel's selective sweet tooth. They'd even had sex in the bathroom of a coffee shop round the corner from the head office lobby. And after every tryst, Crowley had kissed the angel and wiped his memory, both fervently hoping and not hoping that it was the last. All told, they'd consummated their feelings more than a dozen times between the Blitz and Armageddon. For Xerophil, each time was the first. And for Crowley, each time was a failure to protect a Xerophil. A failure he couldn't entirely bring himself to regret. Speaking of, Crowley would have to be a moron to think that tonight would lead to another such encounter. A setup like this? It would be irresistible to a Xerophile, if history had taught Crowley anything. And honestly, the demon would be lying if he said that thought didn't excite him. His entire body throbbed with heat at the mere possibility. Which then led to the sobering thought, maybe it was time to admit everything to a Xerophil after all, heaven and hell be damned. He couldn't keep the truth from a Xerophil forever, and he didn't want to. But a Xerophil would no doubt react badly, and they still had Agnes's prophecy to muddle through before they were truly free from her head offices. In other words, not today, but soon. And what should he say to prepare the angel when he did? What could he say to make it possible for Aziraphale to forgive him? Come to think of it, the flat had gone rather quiet. Aziraphale, Crowley said, looking up from the wine he just poured. He picked up the glasses and headed out of the kitchen towards the main living area, 
which really only housed his overly opulent desk and chair. Perhaps he should miracle up a couch or something. Angel? When no answer was forthcoming, he set the wine on his desk and started for the solarium, where his plants were already trembling. The thought occurred to him that he rarely left the door to the solarium open, because if the denizens of hell came calling, the last thing he wanted them to see was artifacts he'd kept from his adventures with Aziraphale. Then the follow-up thought struck him of who else said artifacts should probably be kept hidden from. Oh, fuck! Crowley careened through the panel door and fell into a ficus as he overcorrected for the turn and lost his balance. He pushed himself back to standing, leaves falling like rain around him as the ficus panicked. He swore and swiveled to see a Xerophil standing transfixed by a too familiar statue. Angel, I can explain. This statue? I promise, there's a perfectly sound. Seems so familiar. Like a transparency let over a picture. Only the longer I stare at it, the more the transparency becomes the picture, and the picture fades away. Shit, this is not how I... And this feather, Aziraphale held up the white, downy plume that had been resting on the statue's pedestal. This is my feather. Where did you get this? I... Crony could feel his face growing hot. I... you... you left it. In the Bentley. The Bentley? Crony found it increasingly difficult to breathe as Aziraphi continued to stare at him. Crony, what aren't you telling me? We... I... I... We had sex, Aziraphale said, in the gentleman's club. He turned pale, but for two bright pink spots coloring his cheekbones. In 1887! Crowley, what did you do? Aziraphale started toward him, anger evident in every movement, every line of his corporation and especially in the holy lightning flashing in his eyes. Crowley retreated, backing through the panel door, retracting his steps nearly to the kitchen, where he finally bumped up against the outside edge of the island. Anthony J. Crowley, I demand an answer. Trembling, Crowley drew himself up. He wasn't afraid of what Aziraphale would do to him. He was afraid of losing him altogether. But that wasn't his choice to make. Not after all the choices he'd already taken from the angel. He'd wanted to give those choices back, but now it was too late. Aziraphale had learned the truth on his own and Crowley's good intentions were reduced to so much broken pavement on the road to hell.
I... I took them. He sat thickly. What? I... I took your memories to protect you. You took my memories of that night to protect me? Crowley was tempted to let him assume it was just the once, but no, Aziraphale deserved to know the truth, the whole truth. Not just that night. Not what? Not just that night. There were others. Aziraphale gaped at him, aghast. How many times, Crowley? Six. Six times? Ten. Aziraphale gasped audibly. Sixteen times? Crowley breathed deeply through his nose, his trembling easing now that the truth was out. The angel's halo burst through its metaphysical bonds, leaping onto this plane of reality in a blinding flash that burned brighter with every second. Angel, please, let me explain. As Crowley spoke, Aziraphale pressed his hands together like he was trying to contain an immeasurable force. When his light reached some sort of tipping point, the angel reached past Crowley and slapped his hand on the kitchen's island counter. With a great shaking and a loud crash, the island collapsed into rubble. Crowley leapt away from it with a yell. Did you just smite my kitchen? The light bled away back to where it had come from, leaving Aziraphale shuddering and spent. Better the kitchen than you, he said merrily. Though at least you'd have deserved it. Crowley took a step towards the angel. Don't, Aziraphale said sharply. How could you betray my trust like that? I would never have done so to you. I'd have trusted you. Yeah, like you trusted me with the location of the Antichrist. Crowley shook his head, realizing by Aziraphale's thunderous expression that he was just making it worse. Listen, it wasn't a matter of trust, okay? It was a matter of stakes. The punishment was too great to risk either of us giving it away. Bollocks! Aziraphale snarled at him, his hands curling into fists. What did you say? Crowley said, a small hysterical part of him wanting desperately to laugh at the angel's choice of epithets. They'd have punished us for breathing the wrong way, Crowley. The arrangement alone would have ended us had they discovered it before becoming distracted by Armageddon. What was an affair on top of that? They would have what? Killed us more? They'd have found us out sooner, was my point, Crowley said, though now that he spoke the words out loud, he realized how stupid they sounded. Angel, I don't expect you to forgive me. Oh, I am not even close! 
close to the you begging for forgiveness portion of this conversation. You complete bastard. So don't even... You could have fallen, Angel. They would have cast you out forever. And you would no longer want me if I were a demon. Is that it? What? Or would it have interfered too much with your lone wolf aesthetic? To not be the only demon on our side? You don't know what you're saying. You would never survive becoming a demon. Xerophil flinched, then looked at Crowley reproachfully, as if he'd mortally wounded him. Crowley replayed the comment in his head and realized belatedly what it had probably sounded like. That's not what I meant, Aziraphale. I'm not saying you aren't strong enough to endure it. I mean that you wouldn't be you anymore. You'd be hurt and jaded and corrupted and miserable. You mean like I am right now, the angel whispered. Water gathering at his lashes. Aziraphale. The angel raised his hand, preparing to snap, and Crowley caught on a split second too late. Angel, no, it's too much all at... Heedless, the angel snapped, and then instantly fell to his knees, head in his hands. Once, Crowley finished, sinking to the floor as well and drawing close to Aziraphale, reaching out but not touching. Are you? he croaked. I can't! They're all jumbled! I can't! Crowley took Aziraphale's hand, drawing it to his cheek. He lent the angel his own star map of memories, his constellations, so that Aziraphale could more accurately chart events, slotting them into their proper sequence. The angel shook, tears streaming down his face, and Crowley gathered him close as he sorted through it all. This doesn't mean I'm not still furious with you, Aziraphale hissed through clenched teeth, his hand still pressed against Crowley's cheek. I know, and I'm sorry. If it helps, I intended to give it all back one day, when I knew it was safe. You had no right to take it in the first place. I know. But it helps, the angel allowed grudgingly. Crowley, being Crowley, couldn't resist making light of a difficult situation at the worst imaginable moment. It's all your fault, you know. Oh, really? Aziraphale arched an annoyed eyebrow. How is that, pray tell? If you'd been able to keep your hands off me, I wouldn't have had to resort to anything so drastic. Oh, really? As I remember it, you didn't exactly object. Well, at least I never initiated, Crowley teased, but then he sobered. I was too afraid of what might happen. You were braver than me. 
The angel sighed heavily, wiping his eyes. I don't think bravery had much to do with it, if I'm being honest. Well, if we're being honest, you're right in that, that I didn't put up much of a fight. And I probably put up less of one over the years. I suppose it is rather remarkable that no matter how many times you took my memory, we still ended up in the same position. I guess you could say it was an... If you say ineffable, so help me. I was going to say inevitable. I think it best we leave the Almighty out of this, don't you agree? I won't tell her if you don't. Aziraphale's lips twitched in a semblance of a smile, as if he couldn't help himself. But he immediately quashed it and narrowed his eyes. I am still livid with you. Words cannot begin to describe it. I understand. And I have a suggestion. Aziraphale waited for him to continue, a question in his eyes. If words cannot describe it, Crowley was about to regret this, he felt sure. Maybe actions might. The angel's eyes widened in disbelief. You really suggesting we... After you... He spluttered. How do I know you won't just steal my memory again? Crowley turned his head, kissing the hand he was still holding to his face. I have no incentive to steal your memories now, and every incentive for you to keep them. Aziraphale huffed, exasperated, but the expression in his eyes said he was considering it. Gentle, he admitted. I'm still overwrought about all of this. I'm okay with you being a bit rough with me. I know you'd never hurt me. You'd stop if I said stop. Aziraphale withdrew his hand from Crowley's and stood up. I should leave. I should go away and consider whether trust between us is even salvageable. I should make you prove to me that you can be trusted again. Crowley stood up as well, feeling a million years old. You should, he agreed, doing his best to meet his angel's implacable gaze. There was a long moment where neither breathed, neither moved, and neither looked away. Then, somehow, without Crowley even realizing it was happening, Aziraphale slammed him against the nearest wall and attacked his mouth with a kiss so ruthless that it melted all of Crowley's bones into liquid fire. Aziraphale's grip on his shoulders shifted to the front of Crowley's waistcoat and shirt. With a rip, buttons flying everywhere, the angel divested him of both articles of clothing in a single stroke. Aziraphale, Crowley gasped. I love you. The angel answered by sucking a painful bruise into Crowley's neck. I want this, 
Raleigh murmured. I want us. Aziraphale growled, snapping them into Crowley's bedroom. Backing Crowley into the side of the bed and then down without breaking his hold. I don't want you to think I... Crowley paused to kick off his boots. To think I took them because I didn't want you to know that I didn't want it to happen again. I did. I do. Crowley, shut up, Aziraphale said into the skin over his sternum. I know why you did it. He snapped again, banishing the rest of their clothes. Then he climbed on top of Crowley, pressing him into the mattress. Right now, I want to sink my teeth into you, and it's difficult to concentrate when you keep rehashing sore points. Crowley groaned, marching up into Aziraphale's body, his skin radiating the heat he'd been storing from all those late nights thinking of Aziraphale, unable to touch him, and so touching himself instead. He was a hydrogen bomb about to detonate and lay waste to everything in his blast radius, and Aziraphale's mouth was the trigger. Don't! Aziraphale said harshly, breaking away from his path of destruction down Crowley's midsection to wrestle Crowley's wrists to the mattress. Don't touch me! I touch you! Yes, Angel, Crowley whispered raggedly. I don't even know what to do with you, Aziraphale continued, muttering to himself more than Crowley, as he thrust his hips against Crowley's erection. I have all these memories, all the things we've done, but I feel like I haven't done any of them. He thrust again, biting at the meat of Crowley's shoulder, then soothing it with his hot tongue and cool breath. Crowley, wisely, kept his mouth shut and his hands to himself, as commanded, though it took every ounce of will to do so. He rocked up into Aziraphale's thrusts. At least that was not yet forbidden. Fine, Aziraphale breathed, as he clenched Crowley's hip in a grip so tight it would almost certainly leave crosses. But it wasn't until Aziraphale slid lower licking a scorching path along the inside of Crowley's thigh towards his cock, that Crowley finally noticed the angel's tears. Angel, stop! Stop! As Crowley had predicted, Zeraphil immediately stopped, turning his tear-brightened eyes to Crowley's in question. Crowley reached down and seized Zeraphil's forearms, pulling the angel up to lay next to him on the bed. Then, turning to face him, Crowley said, Talk to me. Aziraphale dropped his gaze and swallowed a few times before speaking. You love me, he whispered finally. You said it every time. That's because I do love you, obviously. I was... Over 
overwhelmed by it? Every time. Every time you said it was the first time for me. And it's... It's a lot to take in. All of this, it's a lot. Take a breath for me, Angel. Just a breath. Aziraphale inhaled and let out a shaky breath. And then another. I'm not certain a thousand breaths will be enough. Crowley lifted his hand to touch the angel's face, but paused halfway there. Is it all right if I touch you? Aziraphale didn't answer immediately, but eventually he nodded. Crowley gently caressed Aziraphale's cheek, a mirror to when he'd held Aziraphale's hand to his own face. Let me see your wings, Crowley said after a moment of quiet. Why? Just... Crowley had been about to say, trust me, but in light of everything, perhaps that wouldn't be the best idea. Please, he said instead. Aziraphale closed his eyes for a moment and then popped his wings into the physical plane, brushing the one he wasn't lying on over Crowley's side. Crowley reached up and gently combed his long fingers through the various layers, starting with the coverts and working his way out to the tertiaries and the few secondaries he could comfortably reach. He'd have to sit up to get to the rest, and he wasn't quite ready to do that yet. But the coombing was already achieving the desired effect, as Aziraphale's eyelids drooped lower, his shoulders relaxed, and his breath deepened. Better? Crowley asked. Better, Aziraphale confirmed. Then he folded his wing along his side and pulled Crowley closer, tucking his head under Crowley's chin. Crowley wrapped his arm around the angel, rubbing the muscles where wing met shoulder. It was chilly in Crowley's flat, so he brought out his own wings and folded one over them both to keep their body heat in as he had the angel close. For an hour or so, they lay there in silence, Crowley occasionally kissing the top of his curly head. Then, with a sigh, Aziraphale shifted so that he could look Crowley in the face. We must talk about the prophecy, Aziraphale said, sounding regretful. Crowley idly stroked the angel's flank with his primaries. Must we? Darling, you know they'll be coming for us. Might be on their way already. They'll have preparations to make. Won't be until tomorrow afternoon at the earliest, he said. Even if you're right, we need a plan. Agnes said... I know what Agnes said. I'd just rather be talking about something else right now. Or, better yet, not talking at all. There will be time for that. Later tonight? Aziraphale smirked, pinching his thigh. 
If you're good, and you help me solve this riddle, then yes. And with that little carrot for motivation, Crowley lifted himself onto his elbow and miracled the wine glass from the other room into his hand. Brainstorming juice, he said, indicating that the angel should take one of the glasses. It turned out that problem-solving naked was highly productive. Crowley wasn't sure whether Aziraphale would have come up with the idea to switch corporations if they had not been so hyper-aware of their bodies at the moment. But once the idea was out there, it seemed the wisest course of action, given the likelihood that their deplorably unimaginative bosses would use traditional methods of punishment for their respective species. Having thus decided, Aziraphale set aside the empty wine glasses and pushed Crowley onto his back. I think we should make the most of the time we have left, just in case they... Well, the angel bit his lip and changed tack. There are still a few hours before sunrise. His mouth was halfway into Crowley's chest before Crowley stopped him with an outstretched hand. You don't think we should? Aziraphale asked, puzzled. It's not that, it's... Crowley trailed off, hesitant. Yes, Lord, Aziraphale prompted when Crowley didn't finish the thought. Crowley closed his eyes suffused with tingles at hearing his angel call him love again. It had been far too long having only the memory of it to hold. When he opened his eyes again, Aziraphale was looking at him with concern, still waiting. Do you forgive me? Crowley asked finally, his voice hoarse with hope. Aziraphale let out a shuddering breath. I forgive you, he said finally, but that doesn't mean you won't be spending decades making it up to me. Decades. Decades, got it, Crowley said, smiling with his whole face. Centuries, maybe, Aziraphale said, the start of his usual smile tugging at his lips. Whatever you want, Angel, Crowley said and meant it. Well, I'll keep that in mind. Then Aziraphale leaned down and captured his mouth in a sumptuous kiss before breaking away again to say, Right now I want to make love to you and then remember it afterward. Crowley winced. Yes, Angel. I think I can manage that. Good! Aziraphale clamped Crowley's mouth once again, slotting his thigh between both of Crowley's. The demon shifted to accommodate him, thrusting his hips up to encourage his lover's interest. His lover! His cock hardened further, just thinking it, his heart beat even faster. And there was no sorrow tied to it now. 
he'd never have to lose Aziraphale again. Never have to let him go. Not as long as Aziraphale wanted to stay. And Crowley would make damn sure his angel wanted to stay. Now that he was allowed to touch, he did so with every available limb, arm, leg, and wing. He let kisses where he could reach whenever he wasn't being plastered to the bed. Good lord, how I want you, you sly devil! Aziraphale breathed into his neck. It could mean the death of me, but I would still want you. I need you. I need you to... Crony wrapped his hand around Aziraphale's shaft. Oh, God! Yes! The angel's words cut off into inarticulate whimpers as Crowley flipped them over and began his own offensive on Aziraphale's stomach, his hips, his thighs, and finally his cock. He didn't belabor it, though, as this was just the first course, and they had many more to fit in before night's end. He wrapped his lips around Aziraphale and sucked and licked and swirled his tongue with relish around the head, no teasing or hesitating, just hard and fast and demanding as hell. Aziraphale pushed him off with a pop only a few minutes in, much to Crowley's consternation. But then the angel rolled them over again, and began his own ministrations to Crowley's entrance. Oh, spark, angel! Bark! That feels... But Aziraphale's tongue was too busy entering Crowley, laving him, stretching him open to allow the angel to respond. Crowley managed to keep his hips still, but only by clenching the duvet, Ripping it, he was fairly sure, and swearing up a storm. Finally, Aziraphale released him and pushed himself up to a better position, from which to drive his cock into Crowley's now thoroughly slick and stretched entrance. Crowley shakily shoved a pillow under his lower back and hooked his legs around Aziraphale's waist. Then he braced himself against the bed as he felt the tip of Aziraphale's cock press against his opening. Ready, my lord? Aziraphale asked, his voice breathy and strained. Yes, yes, do it already. He'd have said more, begged more, anything to feel his angel's cock inside him right bloody now, but instead he trailed off into inarticulate spluttering and swearing as Aziraphale accommodated him, pushing in with barely constrained power while the demon stretched further, adapting to the invasion. Finally, Crowley couldn't take the stillness any longer. He pressed himself down on Aziraphale's cock and then up again, signalling to the angel to pound into him for the love of everything. He needed it. He needed to be utterly possessed, to be filled completely by the angel. 
Aziraphale took the note and matched the rhythm Crowley had started, thrusting in and pulling out just enough to drive Crowley mad. Fuck, Angel, don't stop, don't stop. And for his part, Aziraphale didn't stop. He devoured Crowley like the demon was a meal at the Ritz, heavy and wet and satisfyingly long. He savoured Crowley for hours, pumping into him, coming again and again, never needing to stop thanks to superior biology. And Crowley came as well, over and over, with the angel's caress sometimes, with his own others, and sometimes without any intervention at all. They occasionally changed positions to give Crowley's wings a break from grinding against the mattress, but the instant he'd roll over onto his elbows and knees, Aziraphale would thrust back into him, barely stopping long enough to catch his breath. I love you. I love you so much, Crowley said as Aziraphale's arm circled his ribcage, his mouth sucking the point of Crowley's shoulder as he thrust into him, pulled out, and thrust in again. I, if this is the last time, I want you to... This is not the last time, Aziraphale insisted between thrusts. I will never let them have you. I will never let you go again. Aziraphale, Crowley cried out, coming instantly at the angel's insistence, spilling white all over his black silk duvet. My darling, my love, Aziraphale murmured, nipping Crowley's back, grasping his feathers. Then he came himself, filling Crowley once more with his divine essence, which Crowley could feel suffusing his every molecule. Then, reluctantly it seemed, the Aziraphale finally pulled his cock out of Crowley and drew Crowley into his arms instead. They collapsed to the sodden bedspread, heedless of the mass. Eventually, Crowley snapped it away, but he was almost regretful to banish the evidence of their night together, of this perfect fusion of infernal and divine. I brought you again already, the angel grumbled into the side of Crowley's neck. Is that strange? Not at all. Or if it is, then I'm just as strange as you. Aren't we? A match made in. Don't you dare finish that sentence. Aziraphale chuckled and pulled Crowley in tighter. You know, if there's a silver lining to all of this memory stealing nonsense, Aziraphale said, pausing his thought to nibble on Crowley's ear, it's that I have not just one first magical, perfect time with you, but seventeen. It's 
kind of miraculous if you think about it like that. Brownie rolled his eyes. Tell that to my kitchen. Well, I'm not saying I wasn't right to be angry, but... But what? But after all this body swapping, fooling head office and whatnot, I might be entertaining to, you know, do it on purpose sometime, for fun. What? Only this time I'll take your memory, temporarily of course, and give you a new first time, and recreate a scene from the past and relive it as we perhaps should have initially. Like perhaps at La Trogerie du Marais, after you rescued me from the Bastille. Crowley laughed. So that was what all that popping across the channel was about. You wanted to get caught, so I'd come rescue you? Well, maybe a little. I wasn't lying about the crepes. They just weren't perhaps my... Xerophil cleared his throat. <clears throat> Primary motivation. Crony pressed a reverent kiss into the crown of his angel's head, overwhelmed by the magnitude of his love for such a silly creature. Such a silly, terrifying, tender, petulant, irresistible creature. A creature that, no matter how many circles or plagues or ends of the world were thrown at them, he would never in a million years forget. Anything you want, Angel. Anything you want. The End